Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll uh, kind of put a bow on the NBA season with David and look forward a little bit uh, as well, Gordon. The Kind of the hot-button NBA topic out there today, a number of writers talking about how the NBA is targeting uh, Martin, Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend uh, as a return for the NBA uh, there in January. And there's just so much that has to happen before that's even possible. It's interesting how they're speculating. But uh, we'll talk about uh, this and more with David. In fact, let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. What's going on, David? Not much, guys. How are you? No, no NBA, The NBA season ended 12 months plus after it started. Now what am I supposed to do? Yeah, right. Well, maybe take a break for a second, David. You know, you, so you like to mountain bike and and travel uh, travel around. Do a little bit of that, man. I, I do. I uh, I knocked a, a bucket list item off of my bucket list yesterday. I um, not that impressive, but for whatever reason, I had never done Big Cottonwood Canyon on a bike before. Oh wow! So I um, so my son's final day before leaving for the. To go spend the winter in Jackson, and so he and I knocked it out yesterday. So top to bottom on a bike yesterday on Big Cotton. So and yeah, that's what to I to tail the tail. Yeah, well, it's not that hard actually. I mean, yeah, I mean, like if you're a real, there's real bikers that are listening right now going, yeah, like Big's the Big's the pansy route. So um, Little's the Little's the the real biker. I'm not I'm not up for that. You know, David, we were talking with Bowler about this earlier this week that uh, that the the preseason, the exhibition season, would just be wrapping up right now under normal circumstances. That's weird to think about. Well, I, I apologize if I told this story last week, but I told this story. Someone I thought might have been with you guys, but um, so I was on the phone with a friend the other day, just about stuff and talking about their kid and their college search, and and I, my daughter's a sophomore, and I was said, you know, before this is a sophomore now, and I. I said, I know it's early for her, but like before the summer's over, I need to get her out and having her see some colleges, even in the midst of COVID somehow, just get her to see some colleges. And he's like, what? I was like, well, I mean, if we do it ourselves with COVID, he's like, no, no, what? I was like, she just needs to see some colleges. Like, I know it's early, but he goes, I'm not talking about that. When the summer's over, it's October. (laughs) And in my mind, like at the time I said this, the NBA finals were going on and I had just finished. So it must've been June. Right, like that's totally where I am. Like my, I just like have not quite grasped the where we are in the schedule and what's going on now. College football and pro football playing suddenly begins to feel maybe that we'll get the seasons back in line here and just begin to feel normal. Well, speaking of the finals, as nor or not normal as uh, this entire circumstance has been, the Lakers come out victorious and uh, give us your thoughts on on their performance, uh, really uh, beginning in the the playoffs till the end. Well, I thought the basketball was amazing. I mean, that's the first thing I would say is I just thought the, the – I mean, like game five was a, probably as good a game as we've seen in the NBA. Um, you know, I mean, just the quality of play, the energy level, um, actually, you know, 
I thought the Heat kind of just were worn down, right? That they to get there, I think you know Bam and Goron get hurt is just kind of a sign of I think how worn down they were. Um, and I thought that was the story of the finals that the Lakers were just superior, kind of with length and athleticism. And so, you know, every now and then Miami could could kind of find the energy and the juice to match it, but they couldn't consistently. And so, in turn, you know, there were game one and game six, and and even in the middle whichever it was, three or four, where they just were outmanned, and you could kind of see it. Um, the Lakers, I, I actually go back to the Jazz second or third game of the year, if you recall, the, the Lakers started that game with Dwight or JaVale starting, and then in the second half they played Anthony Davis at the five and brought Alex Caruso in, and our coaches just afterwards were like, oh, my gosh, like their small lineup is huge. Their length is incredible. Like that was the talk back, which was probably 12 months ago, you know, in late October when we played them um, was all of our coaches afterwards just talking about how insane their length was. And if you just kind of, you actually, what's interesting about them is like their small lineup was Anthony Davis, who's at six eleven, seven feet. So appropriately sized. Then LeBron's at Carl is the same size as Carl Malone. Uh, Danny Green, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Kyle Kuzma is, what, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and then if they're playing Contavious Caldwell-Pope or Alex Caruso, they're both big for their position. So they were small while being bigger than the average position at all five spots. It's kind of an incredible, like, collection of players to have on a roster. And then you have Rondo, who's, frankly, pretty big for the position as well. David, do you have any uh, any guesses about how these coaching vacancies around the league are going to be filled? Does it interest you at all? Well, it really interests me because it's it's almost as though Nick Nurse and Quinn Snyder and this whole and Taylor Jenkins, who was great in Memphis this year, and have all been discovered. You know, I don't think Mike Budenholzer fits into that, but it it almost feels like there's just like a gap right now. Now, Darvin Ham would strongly disagree with me that there's a gap of eligible coaches, as he's been overlooked multiple times and is quite a good candidate. But it it just feels like the model was like go find Nick Nurse who was in the G League and and had his success and then went you know and then same thing with Taylor Jenkins he kind of fit that same thing was actually with Quinn and Austin and if you look at some of the hires recently that have been most successful they all kind of fit into that mold and now it's like we're interviewing Jeff Van Gundy and Stan Van Gundy for jobs like it's weird to me what's going on and then what's also weird to me is it's this I cut and maybe I'm this isn't true, but I almost have like this vibe that there's almost like it. Well, analytics actually aren't that important. We're just going to go hire like an old school coach. Like that's, I think that's a disastrous decision by people because there might be an argument that Houston's analytical edge has been minimized because everybody else is playing similarly analytically and that analytic, you know, that there is, you, you got to get some buckets, and that includes mid-range buckets in the playoffs when life gets hard because defenses are good enough to stretch out to the three-point line. But it doesn't mean like that analytics are wrong or that they've been misguided or that they haven't worked. And so there's some weird – some of the conversations that are going on to me are a little strange in that I feel like it's a kickback kind of, of like, well, we're, those ghost coaches are all gone. The young, innovative ones have all been taken. So we're going to go back to visit. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. David Locke is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, David, I want to talk to you about uh, workouts in preparation for the draft. Will you take us through uh, the restrictions? Uh, I believe they only get 10 
and uh, they they can only work out one at a time, I believe, if that's the case. Uh, help me with that. But uh, but how will that affect the Jazz, who have been very good at identifying players through workouts? So I don't – I mean, the, the way I've read the workouts, my assessment is that they're going to be relatively useless. Um, you know, it – the individual workouts aren't great. Some of the other workouts are sound like their agent workouts. Those are never worth a lot. I mean, they sometimes will show you the negative, right? Like there's a bunch of stories. Chad Ford tells a bunch of stories, and John Holland just told some stories on podcasts about, you know, going to workouts that are agent-run, you know, workouts where you're doing one-on-zero, and, like, the guy's not really giving it. And you're like, okay, this is like your day, and just, like, go up against a chair and look good. And you've got every NBA guy in town and you actually don't have it inside of you to give any juice right now. Like, so that tells me all I need to know. So those actually, ironically enough, are often the other way. Um, you know, the Donovan Mitchell going up against, you know, whoever the Tony Bradley, Thomas Bryant workout was one of the better I ever saw. The Brandon Davies going up for thinking he has a dunk and Rudy comes out of nowhere and blocking it kind of moments. Those are not going to take place. So what we're going to find out, and we won't know for a few years, and maybe some people will just get lucky, is who was ahead of the game. You know, if you if your scouting department was one that waited till May and June to kind of get your information, well, there was no May and June this year. So who went to Kentucky's open gym and who, you know, was in Hawaii for the Maui Classic and really scouting it and who was, you know, at the games in Puerto Rico and saw the best teams and who went to practices and got the inside scoop on various players who was in us, you know, who was at the Nike Hoop Summit? Everybody was probably a few years ago. I'll tell you, I've watched uh, th- two or three, maybe now four or five co- players. I'm kind of digging in a little bit. Uh, I know the draft has nobody on top and that that's the big story of the draft is that there's no, you know, generational player game changer. I'm super impressed by the guys that I've watched that are kind of hovering between 18 and 25. Like, they, you know, they're not. Um, Josh Green out of Arizona is uh, really smart, sees the game beautifully. I did a huge breakdown on Locked on Jazz the last two days about it. Um, you know, see, or today, today and will tomorrow. Um, you know, it just does everything right, sees the game beautifully, passes ahead. You know, he's, I didn't see him ever get on top of the cup. I didn't see him finish around the rim. I saw a bunch of times around the open floor. You know, if there, he should have, if he was a top five or top ten talent, he would have exploded through the traffic and got on top of the rim, and he didn't. So he's not a top five, top ten talent. But for a twenty, you know, eighteen to twenty-five, I was certainly impressed. Uh, Jalen Smith out of Maryland, I was super impressed. Nico Mannion's got some problems, but he's got some really great skills too. Nico Mannion's going to be one where do you believe that you can accentuate enough of the positives to make it work? Because some of those positives are really great. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, Washington. I watched uh, Arizona, Washington. He was he was a force. So this middle range and late first round picks, I, I, I'm really, really impressed. I, I go back a few years ago, and the, when the Jazz traded, it's the Jakob Pertle draft. The Jazz traded the pick for George Hill, and I remember the Jazz were at what twelve or something. Like there wasn't a player I liked. Like I'd watched a ton of players. I didn't have a single player I liked. It wasn't like, oh, I hope they get so and so at twelve. It was like I don't know what they're doing at twelve. I feel that thus in the early going, I feel the opposite about this draft. Like, oh, there'll be early indicators to me unless, you know, these guys are all going to go much earlier and I'm missing something. There's going to be a nice player at 23. 
fascinating things, like we've talked about. Uh, when you look at the con- contributors for a team like the Heat and some of the guys they have on that roster, it makes you think that this is kind of cool that it's become even a bigger crapshoot. And I don't know whether the analytics back that up, David. You would know much better than I. But that there are possibilities throughout that range in the draft. Well, I, I, I have an analytical model I run. It's not it's not a model. I just combine a bunch of numbers. I pull off as, uh, access to a site. And, I mean, it's not, I don't want to make it sound bigger than it is. But there are certain things that I look at. Um, I'm a big believer in, on the colleg- collegiate game. How you finish in transition tells me about your athleticism. Your one-on-one isolation numbers, I think, tell you me about your athleticism. For example, like Josh Green, who I really like, but I said he can't get on top of the cup. Like I think he was two of twelve in it in in isolation. So I don't. I think he he's a great athlete. He played Australian rules football and was a rugby player and a bunch of other stuff growing up in Sydney. But he, I'm not convinced that he's a basketball athlete. Like, I think he's a great athlete, but I, he, I'm not sure he's a basketball athlete. Um, the three guys last year that peaked out on my numbers in regards to athleticism and other skills were Zion Williamson, John Morant, and Tyler Hero. So maybe I'm just going to run my numbers um, and see what they what they show me this year. David Locke is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, it seems like uh, the, the national reporters uh, have been uh, – creating the buzz that the NBA uh, is aiming for a Martin Luther King Day return. Uh, what is the likelihood of that in your mind? So John Hollinger is the one who I first saw report that, and I heard him on Hollinger and Duncan talking about it. I had not heard anybody else. I think that Zach now. Lowe threw it out there. Kurt Helan threw it out there earlier on okay. our station. Okay, so then, I mean, that's, so now we're getting, you know, it's ideal, right? That's an NBA day. It would be the right day to return. If you're not going to make Christmas, that would be, um, that would be the right answer, and and I'm not sure that um, you know I'm not sure that you have a you know are you gaining anything by going to February 1st? Are you gaining anything by going to February 15th or anything like that? I that would be the question, and I I don't you know it's a question of arenas and getting people in arenas, and you know we got a I was just reading an article about this temperature gauge that's able to project COVID breakouts and we have 20 states that they are projecting to, you know, explode here coming in the near future. So we're not, we're certainly not heading in the right direction. And certainly in Utah, we're not um, on trying to control this virus in a manner that's going to allow us to put 5,000 people in an indoor arena. So that's a little disconcerting. David, I know you grew up a baseball guy and you played college baseball. Uh, Are you interested at all in Tampa Bay, Houston, LA and Atlanta? Uh, I haven't watched um, – I really haven't watched a lot of baseball over the years. I don't know if the NBA has made it so it um, tarnished me out a few games on, kind of in the background, so passively watching. But I couldn't name a player on Tampa Bay at this point in my career, in my life, which is sad. Um, you know, I know that the guy who has the buzzer on his chest when he hit home runs now has the yips, so maybe <laughs> someone needs to give him an electric shock and fix him. Um, okay, cheap shot. Um yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not interested. I hate to say that, but, yeah, I just haven't engaged. I'll ask you a, a baseball and basketball-related question real quick here because this just popped into my mind. Uh, the Dodgers scored 11 runs in the first inning against Atlanta. What today? Were, uh, today. Today. The game going on right now. They're, I think down, it, they're down 2-0, right? Uh, yes. The Dodgers are, yes. Mm-hmm. What would be the so – if you're, So if you're Atlanta, best of seven or best of five? Seven. Oh, 
Yeah, you you should pitch your right fielder the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, right, because you're not coming back. No, well, really, right. You're down eleven nothing after one. You should actually like. Other than like you'll be the laughing stock of the world, you should lose seventy to nothing and not and give your pitchers a day off because they're they have no days off. And, I mean, I know enough that like there's no days off, right? Yep. Because of COVID, they've already given up more runs, at least from a historical perspective. That was the most runs ever scored in a postseason inning. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, I really think they should give up another twenty. Why not? So what would be the <laughs> what would be the NBA equivalent of an eleven run first inning? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so you have to remind me, Cleveland, Detroit, I think it was, overtime. LeBron James scores, like LeBron goes on, doesn't LeBron, I can't remember this correctly, does he, he scores every point Cleveland scores in like the final five minutes and the overtime. It's like one of the greatest single performances of all time. What I can't remember was like, did he go on a twenty-six to two run himself, or was that like twenty-six twenty-two? And I can't remember that. So that would be my, like something like that would be my equivalent. Pretty incredible, eleven runs in an inning. That's... That like is the greatest ten-minute stretch of any player in the history of the game, I think. And as he now kind of elevates himself to arguably the greatest player in the history of the game. Um. It's actually a stretch that people should probably go back and really dig into. Like, you know, we, we go back to LeBron. Like, Jordan's 63 against the Celtics and Larry was, like, really a big deal. Um, and it was when it happened, too. But it's it's added. There's been a, you know, when his career then continued to go on to do what it did, that night becomes more special, right? That night becomes. So going back to LeBron in Cleveland, and now he never, he doesn't, Win the he doesn't win it. I don't, you know, I know he, I think that's his first stint in Cleveland, if I remember correctly. Um, that is his Jordan 63. So, real quick here, Austin uh, uh, did some crack research for us. Um, in just over 60 minutes of game time, James would score 29 of Cleveland's 30 points, including the team's final 25 points on 11 of 13 shooting from the field. Wow. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And it went to overtime. Yeah. But it's not like it's what was the final 16 minutes? Is that what he said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like the final 16 minutes, like final 16 minutes, like third quarter, fourth quarter. The final 16 minutes is the fourth quarter in the overtime. Double overtime. Oh, is that what it was? Double overtime? Double overtime. So the final 16 minutes is six minutes left and double overtime. Mm. I mean, it's really the greatest stretch of basketball by anyone in the history of the game. What was his shooting percentage? 11 of 13. Wow. He's great. What an honor to cover and, tr- and watch him. He is, he is truly great. And this championship to me is maybe the greatest achievement by an individual player. Um, he's so old and he's played so many minutes. Like an interesting thing for you guys to do in a segment is go to basketball reference. Okay. And go look at where he is in minutes played in the history of the league. Okay. But go name all the players below him and remember what they were like at the end of their career. Right. So it's one thing that he passed John Havlicek or he passed Paul Pierce, but remember how useless Paul Pierce was for oh, the last yeah. three years. Oh yeah. Maybe even more right? than like, three. 
right? So, you, like, when you look at LeBron and you say, oh, well, he's now surpassed all these guys in minutes played, you actually have to go back to who who they were at the end. Don't think of them in their prime. Think about who they were in the end because that's what he's doing right now. He was the MVP of the league for all for the whole – if we voted MVP today, he wins, right? He beat Giannis now. Yes, so he's, yes. the, he's the MVP. He was the best player in the world in a point of his career – where like four people in the history of the game have played more minutes? Like, think about that. All that being said, David, then I've been asking our expert NBA guests this question, and let me ask you: Why do people? Why do some people react to him the way they do? I mean, he is just phenomenal for all the reasons you just talked about, and a thousand more. Why the backlash? Uh, racism and lack of knowledge. First one's the most important. No, let's not let's not BS about it. So that's the answer. Powerful black man. It's not not that well accepted in America yet. Hmm. And he's powerful, right? Like that's his pro. That's the problem. Like I'm not going to duck this anymore. Like we're going to talk about it. Okay. Like oh, I'm pissed you off. I'm sorry. So listener out there is mad. That I just said that. That's what it is. Here's a black guy who came in without a college degree, and he's the most powerful sports person in the world. Seven of his teammates come out of the agency that he created. He's busted the system. He's the most powerful person in the NBA right now. And he's the most philanthropic, and he's the most politically active, and he's the winningest. And by the way, on the court for a minute, who was the worst franchise in the NBA for the five years before he got there? Take your pick. Cleveland or L.A., both are true. Right? Like, remember the old game we used to play with Tom Nasalki where we used to say, like, if you put Jordan on this team, would they win the title? <laughs> LeBron did it. LeBron went to the worst two franchises in the NBA, win-loss percentage, and when he went on those teams, within two years he won a title for each of them. Well, the addition of Anthony Davis didn't hurt. Sure, but he's how do you get that? He's a total power broker of the game. Like, do I don't know that people know the backstory of LeBron in two important ways. So, one, he's truly a borderline homeless kid growing up with Gloria, and he tells the story to Lee Jenkins in a Sports Illustrated feature that I think he was 12 years old and for the first time ever he invited someone over to their house. Okay, someone over for a play date because it was the first time he had a place to call home. It was an apartment, but it was the first time in his life that he ever had a place that he knew, like, when he got home, he'd actually be there. And he could have a friend come over. So that's pretty good hurdles to get through early in his career. Then when he comes out of St. Mary's, whatever it was, in Akron, he brings three guys with him. Maverick Carter, Rich Paul, and the third hasn't, I don't know what he's doing now. Maverick Carter, when LeBron signs with Nike, he tells Nike, you have to hire Maverick Carter. He's part of my deal. Maverick Carter works for Nike for a period of time. Once he gets trained in marketing and everything else with Nike, he leaves, opens their own firm. Now he's the one running their movie studio, all their marketing departments, and in charge of Space Jam. Rich Paul... When, he, when LeBron signs with Leon Rose and CAA, LeBron says, I only sign if Rich Paul, who was from, Ak- from Cleveland, not Akron, 
only sign if Rich Paul goes to work for your agency and learns the business. And after a period of time, Rich Paul leaves and starts Clutch Sports, which is now the most powerful agency in the NBA. By the way, Phil Jackson referred to that as a posse. I call him businessmen. Didn't LeBron meet Rich Paul? Wasn't Rich Paul selling T-shirts or something out of yeah, his Yeah, he was selling jerseys. He sold him a Warren Moon throwback. That's right. Maybe in the airport. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, David, thank you as always for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. Always a highlight of the week. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. There you go. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Fairly powerful statements there by David. Uh, that was a pretty good day for Rich Paul. They met uh, LeBron selling him at Jersey. Yeah, I'd say that's one of those uh, moments in time that uh, really affected the man's life. Let's go out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our good friend Andrew Reinhardt. And uh, Andrew, we're helping out our listeners in the bedroom today. We are. If you're out there struggling with erectile dysfunction or any kind of performance issue in the bedroom, Wasatch Medical has helped and treated struggling with the same thing. We use acoustic wave therapy. This is Cambridge-studied clinically proven to open up and regrow blood vessels. If you look at x-rays, as a man ages, tiny blood vessels in the first place become more tiny. They age, they uh, shrivel up, they get blocked. That is what causes erectile dysfunction. Now, we are treating that by opening them up and getting guys off of the pill and getting normal and natural function back in the bedroom. Normal and natural. Those got to be uh, uh, words that uh, guys in this situation will want to hear. Who uh, Who's a good candidate usually, Andrew? Well, almost all men are. But if there's somebody out there that maybe isn't at 0%, if you know what I mean, they, they still have some function left in the bedroom, that's the best candidate to get back to 100%. If you, you know, you're experiencing the occasional failure, we can help uh, every kind of condition but if this is early for you, if you've got, if you're fifty percent, now is the time to get it treated. Eight zero one nine zero one eight thousand. Eight zero one nine zero one eight thousand is the number to call. Get on the schedule, and you're going to get a lot for free right now. You're going to get so much for free. The assessment, the exam. Call us. We'll even do. Uh, we'll even give new patients free testosterone. This is kind of a new thing for us to help with the drive and the energy. The acoustic wave. With the erectile dysfunction, we've got it all covered. Uh, call us now. It's all free. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right, we've got Drop of the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips, coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Another false Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to David Locke, uh, Locke for jumping on with us in the uh, last segment, of course. David's appearances on The Big Show, all brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. You ready for Sounds Various Clips today, Gordon? Yes, I am. Also known as Drop of the Day. 
Um, it comes from the Braves-Dodgers game last night. Uh, Mark Melancone came on, and uh, what was the lead? Uh, Austin, 7-0? Uh, uh, yes. Or 7-1. I think it was 7 nothing. I think it was 7 nothing, and they held on to win 7-6. Yep, that that's right? right. Yep. Okay. And uh, he, he, his pitching was responsible for some of that slide. He had this interaction with journalist David O'Brien after the game. Go ahead, D.O.B. Mark, can you look at this as, uh, yeah, you guys almost blew the entire lead, but can you look at it as, hey, we survived, and that's all the postseason's about. You showed something there in the end by, you know, against a team like that. I mean, you're up 2-0 now, however you got there. I don't. I mean, can you take a positive out of even though you blew most of that lead? You still we, we didn't blow a lead. I don't. I don't really understand your question. Can you still take something positive out of this? You're still up 2-0 in the series, despite you know blowing a big lead. Can you leave this thing feeling you know good that you survived this game? I think that's a terrible question. I'm not even going to answer it. It's a clown question, bro. What's your, what's your takeaway on that exchange, Gordon? But it did remind me, by the way, of a different exchange from our past, which we'll get to momentarily. But your thoughts? Well, he didn't. He, he's right. They didn't blow the lead. They they gave up a bunch of runs, but they didn't lose the lead. That's a clown question, bro. Right? But his, the, the, the whole question was about attitude moving forward, how you – you almost lost, but you didn't, and, you know, that's, that's what he was getting at. Can't you just play ball, though, here with the yeah. reporter? You just Can't answer. You just give the, even if it's a textbook, we take it one day at a time, baloney. Answer it. Don't be a jerk. And he played, like, okay, so this O'Brien fellow probably could have worded it a little bit better. But sure. this dude did just almost blow the game. Sure. He shouldn't be walking away feeling good about himself. Sure. He almost lost it for and his team. And if he could see his face, if I were a Braves fan, Watching this interview of a guy that nearly cost my team when we were up seven nothing, and I'm looking at his smirk and calling the "Go ahead, Dob," blah 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 blah. Oh, that's a terrible question. I, I I don't want anything to do with Mark Melancone ever again, mm-hmm. ever. Oh, geez. I just that it, might be a slight overreaction. I it just I get it that part so of this is his to the question. I get it that yeah. part of it is is human nature, right? But with athletes, you know, you go up to an athlete and somebody, you know, in the media who's who's uh, somewhat on the fan side is like, "Wow, you just had a great game out there today." And the athlete never says like, "Hey, that's a dumb question. I'm not going to answer that." But if you come at him with a challenging question about a tough performance, it, it gets this bristly answer. And I get I, I get it that it's somewhat human nature. But come on, you could you could treat the reporter a little better than that. That's a story. The dude did almost blow it. Now I maybe the guy shouldn't looked. have said you guys blew the lead. Maybe because that's where he bristled and got all defensive. Maybe should have worded it better. But come on, come on. Yeah, you can, you can say I wasn't at my best tonight. I'm still glad me and my I'm still glad my teammates uh, held on for this one. We're lucky this is a playoff series. But I need to be better. Why can't you know? Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, look, I say it this way. Any member of the media who would ask a question of somebody who's going to anger that individual, shame on them. Shame on them. They shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't ever be pissing off somebody because they had a bad performance. They should never ask any questions that are pointed or might actually lead to real information of any kind. Well, I think this 
particular journalist. What's his name? Uh, Stanley O'Brien, something. David O'Brien. He needed a he needed a Gordon Monson on his side. I tell you that. Coach, you started that second half missing your first twelve shots. Explain how you were feeling during that run. Like, that's how I was feeling. How am I supposed to answer that? How would you be feeling? What was the reason for the uh, for the offensive inefficiency, Jim? Paul didn't go in the hoop. Why? Why not? Ball didn't go in the hoop. Were you happy with the schemes? Next question. Coach, you hold. Don't come here once every two years and ask those questions. I don't want to hear that from you. I can ask the question. Good. Ask. I'm not answering it. Don't come here once every two years. I don't want to hear that from you. Yeah. I see to show up. To see that O'Brien guy needed you, Gordon, to jump in and and, uh, and save the day. Anybody that would anger a coach or a player with pointed questions, shame on them. I wouldn't call shame on them. I wouldn't call. Why didn't how they dare go into the hoop? Pointed. How, the, how why dare not? you? How dare you do your job? You know. Uh, <laughs> why not? It reminds me. <laughs> Of those guys that are just bombing the coach with all that, all those fake uh, questions. When oh, were, uh, when they got into Mike Gundy's teleconference. Yeah, you gotta play that, Austin. You gotta yeah, play. I'll that, look that up. Man. That is that is some of the most clever stuff I think I've ever heard. Also, my advice to Mark Melancone is just say this next time. But I'm just glad we got the win, man. I'm glad we got the win. That's all you gotta say. That's all. That's it. That's all you gotta say. Yep. Just glad we yep, got the win, it, man. It, that gets the job done. Just yeah. glad we got the win. You know, Hans did have the – that game, Hans did have the game-winning play. I can't remember. Did he – I think he blocked the field goal. That's right. And they won the game because of Hans's game-winning play. That's correct. And that's when we got the most classic moment in AFL history as far as I'm concerned. Uh, oh, do we have the, the Gundy yeah, going after we, the reporter? All right, let's get to that. Got to hear it. No, not going after the reporters. No, no, they were when asking they faked questions. like they were reporters. Oh yeah. yeah, oh this is even better, even better. When uh, when Mike Gundy, um, somebody transferred, and he tried to keep the news in house. He told the reporters at uh, the uh, at the practice that they couldn't say anything about it. Right, yeah, that was the re- basis for this. What reminded me of it was the question about uh, how do you. How dare anybody try to do their job? Okay, all right. Yeah, this is amazing. So this is the teleconference the next week after that story came out. All right. Mike Gundy, if you have a question, press star one. Your first question is from Brett Kirkenbach, beatthe12.com. Hi, Mike. Uh, Congratulations on the uh, victory. Uh, I I thought you brought up a really interesting point after the game on Saturday. You said uh, people focusing on the wrong things is what's kind of driving this country into the ground. What other aspects of people doing their jobs do you have a problem with? Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Your next question is from Rich Mitchell, CFB Daily. Uh, Hey, Coach. uh, Great win on Saturday in Lawrence. Really impressive performance offensively, and I think uh, even more specifically through the air, especially impressive considering you did it all without Jalen McCleskey. Can you give a quick update on his status moving forward? Uh, Jalen McCleskey is transferring. I thought everybody knew that. Your next question is from Trey Anastasio, Stillwater Tribune. Hey, Mike. Good morning to you, man. Good morning. Uh, I know it's been kind of a frustrating 
seven days or so, which I don't really think is right because you all played a heck of a game on Saturday. Seems like a lot of these reporters don't have any respect for your unwarranted petulance, and I, for one, can't believe they'd have the nerve to do their jobs and not kowtow to your empty threats. I guess what I'm really saying is, it's 2018, do we really even need freedom of press anymore? I'm not sure what you're asking. Um, uh, I'm not sure what you're asking. I'm not sure what you're asking. That's hilarious. Unwarranted petulance? Is that what uh, yeah. what he dropped in there? Seems like a lot of these reporters don't have any respect for your unwarranted petulance, and I, for one, can't believe they'd have the nerve to do their jobs and not kowtow to your empty threats. Those guys, they, <laughs> they orchestrated that so well. Unbelievable. And th- do you think that Mike Gundy really didn't know what was going on, or do you think he was just playing dumb just to, to avoid the whole thing? Is it what? wrong of me that I think he is just dumb? And he might catch be. on. He might be. Is that wrong of me? I like it that they asked about the the guy that transferred McCluskey or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Well, like, did he lay down the law that absolutely uh, Jalen McCluskey is transferring? I thought everybody knew that. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, crazy. That is that is just too funny. Good pull on that one, Gordon. Good pull there. That is that's always funny. Of these four that we've just played, what's your favorite one? Oh, Boylan, because I was right there, because <laughs> I was sitting next to Gordon when it happened. Were you egging yeah. Gordon on? No, absolutely not. I was just sitting there trying not to laugh. Well, Jake, you know that I wasn't in the mood to get in an argument. I was just trying to be real mellow, and that's why. I mean, you are not at fault for that exchange in the no, slightest. No, no, not no, at all. no, not in the slightest. I, well, I know, but I wasn't on. My, I wasn't sharp. You know, I mean, I didn't attack back really. I just sort of because I didn't want to. I wasn't uh, the whole purpose of the thing. But uh, he he apologized later, and I bought him breakfast, and everything's <laughs> good. You know. I think if you had gone back pointedly at him, then people would have some fault placed at your feet. Show some class. I think the way you went after it was was the way to do it. I'll I'll Mm. tell you this part of the story. After Boylan only answered like one more question. And after that, he left the room with, I can't even remember who the SID was at the time. And the the room was just silent. Absolutely silent because everybody was so uncomfortable. And Brad Rock, of all people, cracked the, the silence with a joke. And I wish I could remember what he said. But it was definitely Brad. He was like, oh, that's awkward. And everybody, but the just silence for like 30 seconds after Boylan Thanks left the room. Thanks a lot, Gordon. <laughs> was it that? I don't remember. It might have been something like that, but I remember it was Brad who cracked a joke. Is that? Was it better than when Dirk asked Liz Abel, how do you spell the cuss word that the player had just uttered? That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. Oh, boy, Dirk. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. Gordo, you've got something cooking this segment. What are we getting into? Yes. Jake, I want you to tell me what Luka Doncic, Giannis, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler have in common. 
their uh, all their net worths are lower than yours. Oh, <laughs> stop it! No, lie to us, Jake. No, this I, is can what I they take have. a guess? Yeah, they're the most misspelled names in the NBA. No, ah. they all, according to Vegas, have favorable odds over Donovan Mitchell to be next year's MVP. Anybody you're you're particularly uh, upset about? No, no, not really. But let me tell you, uh, Donovan Mitchell is fifty to one to win the MVP, tied with Kyrie Irving, Trey Young, Zion Williamson. Yeah, those guys. After the recession, I dropped ninety mil. Well, I've recouped that and doubled it. <laughs> and doubled it. Uh, let's see. You should write and, a book about that. Right behind him is uh, Morant and Westbrook. So I, I don't know. Is that does that sound about right? Uh, and and Luka Doncic, I read those off in order of uh, the most favorable odds. Luka Doncic is the favorite to win the MVP next season. That surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I mean Luka's great, and and his playoff run was really good, and. I don't think there's any arguing that, but I, yeah, the, nah, not buying it. Some of it might be a function of what team they're playing on as well. Well, most of it's a function of he's the hot pick and it's about, you know, gambling dollars and not some magical wizard who predicts the future. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But that's, you know, Donovan is in fairly heady company these days. So, anyway. If, if you ever a... meet that, that sports predictor wizard... Uh, will you get his number for me? I will. I, I'll see if I or can. her. I mean, the, excuse the, me. The person be. who's balancing the money. Yeah. No, the 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 magical wizard that uh, is predicting the future with these odds. Oh well, as you have often pointed out, it is a balance of the money, right? But we always talk about it like it's a, a prediction of the future. So that's all I'm saying. It's got to be some sort of wizard, right? It's got to be magic. Not Buck, but actual Magic. Magic Johnson uh, is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived. Maybe he, you know, maybe he plays for the Wiz. I don't know. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he's been hanging out with us all show long. He's a good friend, Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic, and he's here to help you. And uh, Andrew, we talked about this before. You know, a lot of guys are probably a little bit embarrassed about this whole topic, but they shouldn't be because a lot of people are affected. Yes, a lot of people have erectile dysfunction, and you're right. It is embarrassing, maybe even humiliating, to admit, okay, I've got ED, and then to go to the clinic and get it taken care of. There's not a lot of guys willing to do that. But if you look at this from another perspective, the reason that ED is so embarrassing is because you're taking the pill. You're hiding that pill. You're having to pre-plan things. You're dealing with side effects. So we're actually taking all of the negative and the embarrassing aspects of treating ED out of the equation. The acoustic wave therapy, you do a few treatments. Maybe it's a little embarrassing to come into the clinic, but you only come a few times. It opens up the blood vessels. Then you don't have to take the pill any longer. That is, in my opinion, the manly thing to do to get the ED treated, admit you have a problem, and fix the, the problem because – what really matters at the end of the day is the relationship. Uh, you and your significant other and that intimacy is so critical to happiness. 
and ED can wreak havoc on that, we have helped thousands of guys get back to normal function in the bedroom. And you mentioned just a few treatments, Andrew. I think that's important to note. Guys, think about it. Uh, you could be, you know, um, possibly feeling back to normal by when, Andrew? Halloween? Yeah, two to three weeks is the typical duration of treatment. So this month, in October, take action. Call us tonight. We'll get you in. We'll get the treatments going. You could be done with the pills and back to normal more spontaneous intimacy with your significant other. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Get on that schedule because there's a lot free right now, right, Andrew? There is a lot for free. This is the last spot of the day. Call us for the free assessment, the free exam. Uh, we'll include a little special gift that I don't think has ever failed. It produces instant results in the bedroom. That's free just for making the trip and also now new patients get free testosterone. So if you've kind of been wondering about that, you've got some ED, maybe you've got a lack of drive or energy, we've got it all covered. Call us now. It's free. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Be well. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. That's our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. We'll have more Big Show coming up, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's been a, a, a spirited show, Gordon. Uh, we we were aiming for spicy today. Didn't we hit it? Uh, I think we did. Were we pretty uh, spicy yeah. today? We, we got into some ridiculous conversations. I'm not sure if they were spicy, but they were... <laughs> They were somewhat maddening. I've got indigestion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was frustrating to me, uh, your your responses and your stubbornness at times, but that's okay. In in what, my lack of celebration for the kicker? Yeah, your lack of, of, of willingness to acknowledge the fact that sometimes kickers, when they win games, are treated uh, or, or celebrated, I'll say it that way. Not sincerely by their teammates. And that's not well, their how teammates, you Well, their teammates all hate them, but, uh, but they, <laughs> they do appreciate them when they win games for them. And they're, my whole point was that kickers are very important, even though they're belittled by others. Have you guys seen the commercial? I can't remember the product it's selling, but the coach, uh, they're, they're down to the last second and uh, the the kid, the kicker is standing there looking at the the placeholder, and he flashes back to his week where he's in school in class, and uh, this cute girl, and he cozies up to her and says, "You know, I'm I'm a player on the football team," and she laughs at him. Another guy's giving him a wedgie in the hallway or whatever, and, and no one believes him that he's on the football team. And now it flashes back, and the coach p- uh, puts his arm around him and goes, "You make this kick, you're gonna be remembered forever." And he goes out there and makes the kick, and the coach runs out and says, Great kick, Smith! Uh, my name's Stuart. Whatever! That's, that's a kicker. Right. That's how it is. Hey, man, they, I, I, I think it's great for them. They, they've got life on Easy Street. They don't have to practice. They just hang out and shoot the bull. They get a scholarship. They have to play, like, three snaps a game. I mean, there. If anybody's don't game have in, to launder their jersey. If anybody's game in the system, it's kickers. But it no, doesn't make them they, popular with their teammates. If they, if they miss the kick, then they got all that on top of their heads, and that's not easy. Yeah, whatever. Well, who was the, they're getting their free degree? Who was the guy in the NFL this last week? And they they talked about how he had trademarked his nickname, uh, like money, the money badger, because his last <laughs> name is Badge. 
and he's lining up for a game-winning field goal, and he doinked it. Good. He, huh? he trademarked his name, Money Badger, and then misses. Deserve that. Kickers. <laughs> I know, they're the worst. Really, Jake? Really? What do you really? mean, really? Hey, Are you it's really like, that nasty a human being that you really want to wish that kind of thing on somebody? somebody. who gives himself the name the Money Badger? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> By the way, it's the same thing with Paul uh, Paul George calling himself Playoff P. Come on. And you stink in the playoffs and you don't kind of deserve it? What about the kicker who misses a field goal in a clutch situation where his team is depending on him, all the fans and everything he misses? And think about how bad he feels. He is going to sleep well for two weeks. Oh, and then he checks his bank account and goes, you know what, I'm going to sleep just fine, actually. No, I'm talking about a college kicker. Oh, then they just uh, go out with their girlfriend to to the kegger next door, and they forget about it immediately. <laughs> Movie Zone coming up next. Uh, Austin, you want to drop us a poll question real quick? Looking for family-friendly uh, Halloween-themed films that everyone from age 2 to 92 will enjoy. What's that Bette Midler joint? And you can't use Hocus Pocus Why? or Nightmare Before Christmas. You'll find out next. Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie, but I think, no, Hocus, I think Hocus Pocus <laughs> is perfectly relevant. Well, we're next. Tune in. Uh, any answer real quick, Gordon? Bed knobs and broomsticks. Is that even about Halloween? I don't know. Beans I think man. that's just Angela Lansbury traveling through <laughs> dimensions and on a bed. Underwater and such. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween? <laughs> okay. Hey, strike, around, Curtis, strike, strike two. One more to go. Uh, let's see. What another one. Uh, I, uh, Halloween 2. <laughs> All right. Uh, movie Zone coming up next. Austin Horton, Johnny Lightfoot. Gordon, I'll talk to you tomorrow, buddy. The Great Pumpkin. It's the big show, 97.5 no. and 1280 The Zone. Get in here, son. You make this, and everybody's going to know your name, Stevens. It's Smith, sir.